Welcome to the podcast of Temple Baptist Theological Seminary of Bruton Parker College. This podcast is focused on encouraging and equipping pastors by way of ministry discussions, personal interviews, and theological explorations where we desire to merge ministry and theology. We're here today with Jeff Powell, who is a part of my family. Jeff has a long history as a pastor, as a church planter, has had some interesting experiences as the pastor of a church at a zoo. Yes. So we're looking forward today to talking to <laughs> Jeff Powell. Jeff, first of all, thank you for being a part of our podcast today. Sure. I'm delighted to be with you. Well, it's exciting. I know, of course, I've known you for many, many, many years mm-hmm. now, and I've watched your ministry and have a great right. appreciation for the things thank you've you. done. Thank you. Give me a quick overview of some of the places that you've served, and then we'll just go from there. Okay. Um, To quote those great theologians, the Grateful Dead, what a long, strange trip it's been. Um, I have been uh, in church work since I was 18 years old, Um, started by doing camp ministry and and things like that, and um, youth ministry, college ministry. Um, I uh, wound up, uh, my wife and I were in Las Vegas for three years with what was then the Home Mission Board, planting churches. I worked with students at UNLV while I was there, worked at Mississippi College um, as a campus minister. Well, let's back up just a moment. So when you were in Las Vegas, you went there with the Home Mission Board, now the North American Mission Board, to plant a church. Mm -hmm. But was it focused toward college students or just adults in general? It was adults in general. Um, I wound up working with the students. That was part of my job description because the church plant, they they wanted the church plant to be in the area where UNLV was. So it was just a good mesh, and I had a background in in student ministry. So uh, that's kind of how that worked. How long were you there? We were there for about three and a half years. I had an amazing experience. I don't know if the people that uh, we ministered to had an experience, great experience, <laughs> but I certainly did. <laughs> we, uh, and I say that sort of tongue-in-cheek, but it's really the truth. I think God showed me a lot of stuff while I was there. I learned a lot. I had grown up in the church. Uh, you know, I was there nine months before I was born. I, had, I literally had a key to the church, worked at our church. So I had led a pretty, I guess you would say, sheltered life in some ways. When I went to Vegas, we found out, I learned firsthand, what it was like to be around a lot of lost people. It's one thing to be lost in the deep south, spiritually lost in the deep south. You've probably went to vacation Bible school growing up. Right. You, have, you have some baseline of spiritual knowledge and, and different things like that. When you're lost in Las Vegas, you are really, really lost. Wow. And, um, and there was no pretense about it. There was something actually that I kind of liked about it. Uh, the people that we minister to in Vegas, if, if they weren't interested in faith or Christian uh, Christianity or Jesus or anything, they would just tell you that. They made no qualms about it. They would still be your friend. But there was no, uh, no artifice about it or anything like that. So, uh, so our church that we started out there on any given Sunday, we would have poker dealers or lounge singers or you know all kinds of different folks that would show up. Uh, a lot of stories came out of that. But I learned a ton about loving people where they are, just like they are. Amen. I discovered firsthand they were just like me. Um, you know, they had, they may have had a lot of issues, things like that, but if you scratched a little beneath the surface, they were just like me. 
They were trying to take care of their families. They were trying to make it in the world. The only difference was um, was I had Jesus in my life, Amen. And and they did not. And so we were just trying to to uh, love them into the kingdom. Uh, there had a had a great experience. Were y'all in a storefront, or did you borrow a church building, or what mm-hmm. was the context? We were in a well. We did both. Uh, when we first started, uh, we were able to use the fellowship hall of a Methodist church. Um, which was uh, literally right up the street uh, from UNLV. And uh, we met in, uh, on Sunday afternoons. Now, that was not a great place uh, or a great time. Sunday afternoon, people want to stay home and either take a nap or watch football. <laughs> but it was, the, it was the only place we could find, and they were very gracious to let us do that. When we, uh, when we first started, I had prayed that, uh, that we would have 120 people uh, on our first Sunday, that's what they had in the upper room. So I thought, okay, uh, we'll go for that. Uh, God didn't trust me with 130. Uh, I don't blame him. Uh, but we did have about 80 or 90 folks that showed up oh, that's for our exceptional. very first service. I had I'd done a lot of legwork, literally a lot of legwork. I had knocked on 500 doors uh, during the, the um, run-up to that. Uh, we had made tons of uh, phone calls, inviting people, things like that. So, so anyway, honestly, uh, a lot of those were people that had just come to support us in the start of a new church. Yeah. In about uh, in about a month, I preached that down to about twenty folks, and <laughs> uh, and that's where our real our real core, I guess, came from, and we began to uh, go from there. Where did the church end up when y'all left? Did it? Does it exist today? Yeah, uh, we uh, we went from the we went from physically we went from the uh, fellowship hall. We uh, ended up in a storefront right across the street from UNLV, okay. um, and um, were able to uh, spend uh, spend some time there. Today, after I left, uh, after we got the church going, and uh, we uh, and we felt like God was moving us back uh, uh, more towards. Um, where we wanted to raise our family, I'll say it that way. As we prayed about it, God opened that door. But I, um, I had about a month lead time. I told the church and gave them a month okay. and said, "This is we're leaving, um, and I want to leave you in really good shape as much as I can. So we spent a month going through that process and helping them figure out how to find the new pastor and all that. Unfortunately, it took them about a year to finally get someone there. Um, and when they did, it was not apparently a really good fit for the folks that we had gathered. And so the church is no longer meeting. What I am delighted about is that while we were there, we saw several people come to faith in Christ. Amen. And, um, and just an exciting, exciting thing. Wow. That's it's really significant. Yeah. Did some of those folks end up merging into another church? They did. They did. Uh, I was delighted to know that. Um, as I uh, kept in touch with some of them, I found out that, okay, we're going to church here now, or we're going here now. And these were all folks, uh, well, almost all of them had been in church when we started. Uh, we had a handful of folks that, uh, that had been in church, but most of them had not. So uh, I was really, really glad we felt like we were a conduit for that. Okay. I'm going to kind of shorten a little bit of the next part of the story sure. because I want to get over to the, okay. the smaller yeah. church concept. Yeah. But yeah. 
you came back and you were involved in campus ministry. Mm-hmm. Then you ended up in Hattiesburg, where you right. were part of actually a quite large church over yeah. a period of time. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's part of the long, strange trip. Um, <laughs> we had um, I had just turned forty. Pastor there called me and asked if I would consider coming down to work with him, and okay. uh, we felt the Lord leading us there. When we first went, very, very traditional Southern Baptist church, and uh, we were running about 900 <clears throat> on weekends at that when we first went. About 10 years in, uh, I'd been there 10 years, when the pastor walked in one day and said, you know, we are not reaching any unchurched lost people. We're just swapping church members for other church members. Right. And, um, and so uh, he said, I think we're going to have to change a lot and we're probably all going to get fired. And, <laughs> and we said, you're right. We need to change a lot, and we are probably, probably going to get, get fired. fired. Yeah. But, uh, but this is what we should do. So we did. We, uh, uh, we changed pretty much everything in the church over the space of about three or four years. The hard part of that was over about the next three years, we lost about 800 of the 900 people. Wow. It didn't all leave at once, sure. you know. But folks have a certain tolerance to change. Some don't like any. Yeah. Uh, some are real tolerant. Um, so we lost a bunch of those. But we had about 3,000 new people show up during that time period. Wow. And so uh, we were uh, we were um, on the list of the 50 fastest growing churches in America for two years in a row. Uh, it was it was just crazy and um, just a, a neat neat time. I changed seats on the bus. I had been the associate pastor and I became the worship program director, yeah. uh, which didn't mean I led worship. I was just in charge of about six different teams that put okay. on all the worship services. So it was a good time. About five years after that change, or no, about seven years after that change, we began to sense the Lord stirring. You know, sometimes God will just stick his finger in your life and start scrambling things up. Yeah. And we began to sense it was time for something different. We weren't sure what it was. And we ended up, church was very gracious. I told our pastor, I think it's time for us to go. And uh, he said, where are you going to go? I said, I don't know. Don't know. <laughs> uh, he said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. But I've become convinced that God, this is not true for everybody, but this was true in this situation, that, uh, that God wasn't going to show us what he wanted to do next until we let go of our security where we were. Wow. And so we resigned, really not knowing what was going to happen. The church was extremely gracious. I had been there 17 years. They literally paid us a year's salary as a severance uh, package. That's wonderful. It was well. It gave we, you the time to think about, yes, pray about, exactly, and hear exactly. what the Lord has for you. And we didn't have to live in our car. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So it was really, really a blessing. Uh, they were just wonderful to me. But we wound up, ended up in uh, in Atlanta, moving to Atlanta to plant a new church. Um, when we first started, I had met with a guy named Bobby John. Bobby it was uh, uh, Asian-American. We just clicked. Just really our hearts were the same. Uh, we wanted to reach a multi-ethnic, diverse group of unchurched people. That was really our heart. Mm-hmm. So we just started out. And I started out by doing apartment ministry. When I say that, what that means is I lived in an apartment and I just walked around and met people. It, right. it became a joke in the apartment. Uh, one day we had started a church in the apartment and said, <laughs> I asked everybody in the room, how did you wind up here? And one by one they all said, well, I was walking to the mailbox and this guy said hello. 
that would yeah, be it you. was me. That's right. <laughs> um, but uh, but it was really really a, a sweet sweet time. So so my plan when we first started was because this was all I knew. We were going to uh, start something in an apartment and that would grow into renting some space and that would grow into renting bigger, bigger space and that would grow into at some point borrowing money and and all that kind of stuff. That's just all I had ever really seen sure. and knew at that time. But about a year into it, we uh, through a series of circumstances, we, we'd been looking for a place to go and ended up having to um, just really focus in on uh, meeting in homes. And the more we did that, the more we began to sense, this is what God is leading us to do. Not everybody, uh, but sure. this is what God is leading us to do. And it wound up with us having uh, oh, probably about two dozen people that met together, and we became the longest running house church in Atlanta. It, wow. it met for about five to six years, I guess. And a guy, I did not know this, but a, a guy who uh, works with church planters said, you know y'all are the longest running one in Atlanta. <laughs> so yeah. I had no idea. So sweet, sweet time, very different. You know, I was used to 2,500 to 3,000 on Sunday mornings, yeah. and now I was doing 20 to 25 on Sunday mornings. Well, let's put this in context, because yeah. this is a part of what my mm-hmm. experience is in working with churches in South Georgia, particularly right. are all smaller churches. Mm-hmm. And here you've gone from a church of 2,500 mm-hmm. to 3,000 yeah. down to small kind right. of home churches yeah. of yeah. 20 to 25 yeah. or so. Yeah, yeah. What's ministry like when you all of a sudden are morphed into a different context mm-hmm. size-wise? Yeah. I will say this. There are advantages in both situations. There are disadvantages. Sure. challenges. Let me use the word challenges. Challenges. There are challenges in both of those situations. I think for me, there were, there were several things. And this probably really does kind of parallel what you're talking about, working with smaller churches. Yeah. One is I had to re reevaluate how I define success. Exactly. Um, You know, it was not about numbers at all because, you know, a good Sunday for us was 25 or a big Sunday for us, numbers wise, was 25. It became much, much less about that. It was not about programs because we were actually kind of scattered around the Atlanta area. And for uh, the last two years that we did it, I was actually living about an hour and a half away. We had moved up into the mountains in North Georgia. So I was commuting every Sunday about an hour and a half. And there were two or three of the home churches or just one? Was it localized in one group or did you have multiple groups? Uh, Initially, we had multiple groups. At this point, we had had several key people that actually moved. Sure. Not left, but just moved. And, uh, and they were no longer involved. So we had uh, we were in one one situation, okay. uh, one place. And uh, now you're in North Georgia in the mountains, and right. you're going back and forth. Yeah. And so we were doing that. So uh, getting back to the earlier question, I guess. So we had to reevaluate what success looked like. Right. Which was really good for me, as being on staff in a large, really fast-growing church. It is real easy, I think. You have to be super intentional not to get caught up in all of the trappings. Because that appears to be success. Yes. Well, you know, if you go to a conference, one of the first things you were always asked was, how are you doing? And the question was, how how many people are you running? Exactly. That's what people would ask you. I heard a guy say one time, though, nothing tells me less about your church than how many people come there. Very well said. That's that makes a ton of sense. So we started looking at other things. We started looking at 
things like, well, really, there are five, four or five non-negotiables to be a New Testament church. Fellowship and community is one of them. Evangelism is one. Worship is one. Spiritual growth is one. Ministry is one. Those are non-negotiables for a church. Now, how you do them, there's a lot of wiggle room in how that's done. But those are the five things that Scripture teaches and the Testament church needs to be focused on. And that's true whether you're a large church or a small home church. Exactly, exactly. And it's true if you're uh, if you're a, a small little country church, you know wherever you are. We are in the middle where we live now. There's a there's a little country church everywhere you go, right? You know? And those same things are true for them as well. So now, go ahead. Were, were you bivocational at that point? Were you kind of doing multiple things, yeah. or were you able to kind of focus on this only as a ministry? Yeah, I was really fortunate. Uh, the church, even though we were small, we had a lot of committed givers to the church. And so I was able uh, to be uh, supported by the church, by Wonderful. the tithes and yeah. gifts of the church. My first When I first moved there, I had uh, uh, raised some support, but most most of my income, my personal income, my wife was a school teacher, but most of my personal income came from the church who supported me, which was a a real blessing. Wow, great. Um, So, interesting situation we had in our church. We had white people. We had Indian American people. Uh, At one point, we had a German family. We had a Japanese family. We had a Mexican family. We were a really diverse church. Um, (laughs) So that was another thing that was a little bit different. When you're doing a smaller church, or especially a home church, and when you're really trying to reach into the unchurched community, it tends to be very, it's it's not as homogenous, tends to be very eclectic group of folks. And wouldn't you say it's probably because those are the people that you were connecting with independently? Yes, that's, you're exactly right. And that's another thing that I learned, or another thing that I think is different in a small church. You're much less program-focused, I think. Larger churches have tons of programs, but you personally have to be more people-focused. You have to be more personal. I'm a big proponent of relational evangelism. Amen. Uh, A lot of my ministry, this was the most fun part of what we did, or what I did. I would just, I didn't have an office. We didn't have a building, you know. (laughs) So uh, I would go to Starbucks, and that's where I worked a lot of the time. And I got into conversations with people all All the time. time. And, And they often moved pretty deep pretty quickly. Wow. I would pray, and I believe this absolutely to be true, that God will put open up spaces in your life and in your day. And if you're willing to walk into that space, to have a conversation with the person, and I'm not necessarily even talking about sharing the gospel initially, just listen to them sometimes, you know, or what, just be available. If you're willing to walk into that space, then, uh, then you're going to meet that person there and the Holy Spirit's already there when you get there. And, and he just does some amazing things. If you're not willing to walk into them, the spaces start going away. Yeah. I just learned, <laughs> I'll give you a great example real quickly. A couple of great examples. Uh, one day I was uh, sitting outside on the porch uh, doing some work at Starbucks and I looked down at the end and there was a guy who was, who was uh, obviously homeless sitting down there as well. And, and he honestly looked a little, a little off. He looked a little intimidating. Okay. And the Holy Spirit, he might as well have said it out loud. It was this clear to me. Yeah. Said, you need to go talk to that guy. 
And I said, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> and so uh, the Holy Spirit and I just basically had an argument there for sure. about 10, 15, 20 minutes. That happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. And he always wins. And so finally I said, fine. I literally said it like that. Fine. fine. <laughs> you know? And so I went out and, uh, and started talking to the guy. I was able to buy him something to eat he had not eaten. And, you know, that was just a simple thing. That's as far as that went. But yeah. it's a space that God opened up. Sure. But I was sitting in the same place, Not, I guess it was not long after that, and uh, there was a woman sitting right across from me. She was an African-American woman. I'd never seen her before. She just suddenly looked up to me and said, my daughter tried to commit suicide this week. Wow. And, Mark, that kind of stuff happened to me all the time. Um, and I just believe that if we're willing to step into those, those spaces, that God honors that. And that's a principle of stewardship. Yeah. If we're willing to be good stewards of what God puts in front of us, mm-hmm. He will provide more opportunities for us. Yeah, that's exactly right. I would say this too, um, because I know this podcast is aimed at a lot of bivocational ministers sure. and small church ministers. One of the things that is a challenge for you, we can talk about my bivocational experience in a minute too. <laughs> One of the things that is a challenge for you guys is that you have a job and you don't have the luxury of spending 20 or 30 hours a week writing your sermon or or all those kinds of things, right? So you almost have to, I'm going to say multitask, but you begin to think of yourself, or or one way to get at that and be effective is you begin to think of yourself as always being on mission. Or another way to think of that is, you know, I'm I'm not an accountant, who happens to be a Christian. I'm a Christian who happens to be an accountant. Amen. And so you are constantly running into people who need Jesus. You are constantly running into people who are struggling, who are hurting, who are confused, who are frightened, who are bored with life. And if you are just willing to ask God to open your eyes, the possibilities become endless. You don't have to force your way into conversations. You don't have to be pushy. You don't have to be any of those things. You just need to be aware of people. And God will open those doors. He just does. And you can do that in your workplace. You're going to work anyway. That's where the people are. You can do that in your workplace. You can do that at the soccer field with your kids. You can, you know, I've had conversations I stood up in the middle of a, a big restaurant at the noon rush with the head chef, and, and we prayed together. It's amazing the things that God will do. We had a woman, I was in the line at start at uh, McDonald's one day with my wife. I turned around and there was a woman standing, I was in the drive-thru line, and there was a woman standing in my window, standing at the car door. I said, well, hello. <laughs> and she said, would you pray for me? I had never seen this woman in my life. She said, would you pray for me? I said, absolutely. I said, what's your name? She said, Angel. I said, of course it is. <laughs> you know? And she was just struggling with family stuff. And, and we and probably the biggest miracle in that is nobody started honking at us. But she stood right there by my car and I, and I prayed for her. You know? Amazing. And so, I'm, you know, it's just that that's how God works. And, um, and it's just a matter of us being willing to say yes. That's all it is. Um, and and take that step. Well, I mentioned at the beginning of the mm-hmm. podcast that you were planting a church at a zoo. That's mm-hmm. a little bit of a teaser for Ooh. what I'm sure everybody's wondering. Sure. How in the world do you end up working at a zoo, 
planting a church at a zoo. How does that happen? Well, you know, working at a zoo and working at a church are not that different. Uh, there's a lot of similarities. I can imagine our listeners are laughing with us. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they are. Well, what happened was this. We, uh, my wife and I were doing, a, at that time, we were doing a blog where we were telling people stories that were pursuing their dreams. And, uh, and about an hour from where we live is the North Georgia Wildlife Park, which is a zoo that is owned by a um, unique gal. Her name is Hope Bennett. And, uh, who's we, a believer herself. Who's a believer, yes. And so we, uh, we went there and interviewed her. At the end of the interview, uh, Hope said, well, tell me about you guys. So we told her our story, and she said, you've got to come here. You've got to start a church <laughs> at, at the zoo. At the zoo. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Um, we wound up, I started working there. Um, Which came first, the church or the work? The work came first. The work. It was really funny because I, you know, there, I had no background of working at a zoo. Yeah. I started working there. It was really just to build relationships and build some credibility with with the folks. Mm-hmm. Not too long after that, a few months after that, we actually started. We just called it Zoo Church. When it first started, we were meeting under. Uh, we had a circus tent at the zoo, and we had, uh, I don't know, we had maybe a dozen people uh, that were uh, coming, uh, zoo employees that were coming. And, and Mark, it was the craziest thing. Uh, the circus tent was between the ostriches over on this side and the camels over on this side. <laughs> and so uh, we were forever being interrupted by animals. In fact, one day we had to stop in the middle of church because a camel got its head stuck in the fence. So uh, the whole church ran over there to get the camel out. But I wound up, we would do uh, we would do the services just very, very casual because everybody was just coming right after work. We eventually had people that were not involved, that didn't work at the zoo, that would come and hang out with us. Probably, again though, the neatest part of that was that because I had built relationships with people I was working with, I, I literally became the chaplain at the zoo. And right. so a big part of my job was just counseling. I, I spent a lot of time talking to people about personal stuff, talking to people about their questions. It was a very eclectic group. So I was able to use some of the things I'd learned years and years and years ago in, in Las Vegas. Uh, with them uh, because we had a, a little bit of everything that was there, but we but they knew that they were loved and uh, and they Amen. knew that um, that um, that I cared about them and so I got the chance to really do a lot of personal ministry with them there um, as well. So it was it was it was unique. <laughs> Let's say that <laughs> that is so exciting. Well, again, it's a matter of stewardship. Mm-hmm. You know, when you are willing yeah. to. Do what the Lord puts in front of you. He continues to unfold those next steps. That's true. That is exactly right. We, I have retired now uh, from both uh, the... um, The zoo church. The zoo church (laughs) and the the home church that we were doing as well. But I still find those same principles uh, apply. Hmm. You know, you still, if if you're just open to those opportunities and you steward them well, to use your language, God just continually opens up doors. Uh, you just never you never know what you're going to be able to, to do or how God wants to use you in those situations. Well, I hope this conversation will be encouraging mm-hmm. to bivocational pastors, yeah. pastors of small churches. Mm-hmm. 
because though they may not be pastoring a church at the zoo, yeah, um, there are still so many commonalities to what we do and yeah. the way that we build relationships with people, the way mm-hmm. that we develop ministries within the church, within yeah. the community and such. Yeah. And the Lord really does provide opportunity upon opportunity. Yeah. And it'll be exciting to see what the next opportunities for you are. For well, you it, Ellen. it will be. I don't think God's through with us yet. Of course not. We're just... Uh, my wife, actually, uh, Mary Ellen, my wife, uh, who is your sister-in-law. Yes. Mary Ellen has those same opportunities every day as a school teacher. That's right. Um, and um, she gets a chance. She's actually developed a program. She teaches uh, students how to be teachers, especially for preschool or children. And they have outfitted a bus that has become a, a rolling preschool sort of deal. And they'll take it into under-resourced uh, areas. Sure. And, uh, and just love on the kids and teach the kids and all kinds of things like that. So she's she's doing those same things right now herself. Amen. Yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for your mm. time. And thank you for being a part of my family oh, yeah. for all these many years. Yeah. As a, you have always been a blessing to mm. us. Well, thank you so and much. I know that uh, your comments will be a blessing to the pastors who will be listening. Thank Good. you. Good. Thank you so much. You take care. Absolutely. Temple Baptist Theological Seminary is a division of Bruton Parker College, which is an institution of the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Temple Baptist Theological Seminary affirms the inerrancy of Scripture and teaches within the framework of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. For more information concerning Temple Baptist Theological Seminary and Bruton Parker College, go to temple.bpc.edu or bpc.edu.